Keycard presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. Coming of age, finding oneself, kicking ass. These are various elements that are in the works of Mariko Tamaki. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week, it's a creator spotlight. We're looking at the comic work of Mariko Tamaki. Of course, a comic writer who's also written YA novels as well and uh, has a background in performance art. But we're only focusing on the comic books this time around because that's the show. (laughs) (laughs) That's the show, people. That's the show, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if it took you this long to figure it out, we talk about comic books here. Oh my God. But, uh, but yeah, Mariko Tamaki, she got in with graphic novels. They were released, uh, through Groundwood Books and for a second, uh, her first big graphic novel was Skim, which was also her first collaboration with her cousin, Jillian Tamaki. This was published in 2008 and, uh, it's basically a story about a teenage girl and her romantic feelings towards her female teacher. And, you know, it touches on elements of sexual awakening, sexual identity, sexual orientation, but that was not her intent. She was not trying to make a statement about uh, queerness and youth, which is what she said out there. She was just trying to show what youth is like when you're trying to figure out what you like and who you like. She was a young girl in love, but that does not necessarily mean that this is the only route for her. She may be bi, she may be straight, she may be gay. That isn't decided here. What's decided here is that she's a character trying to figure that out. And it got a lot of attention, this book. Like uh, People really enjoyed it. And she ended up writing two more graphic novels, Emiko Superstar, which she did with Steve Rolston. I was, uh, I believe Steve, yeah, Steve Rolston is also from Toronto. I didn't mention that Mariko is from Toronto as well. So that's a, another Toronto centric pairing there. And, uh, that's a story about a young woman who feels trapped in suburban life. And she ends up joining a performance art show, which was loosely based on girl spit, which was an open mic night event in Montreal. And once again, it's a character finding themselves and finding who they truly are, which nicely segued into This One Summer, which was another graphic novel she did with Jillian Tamaki, which is about two girls uh, every summer. They meet, they see each other, and it's about them kind of discovering boys and starting to have relationships that way and these events. So there was definitely a theme in the beginning of her career, which was very much about people coming into themselves, people finding themselves, people experimenting, young love, young lust, young life. And even though Skim and Amico Superstar in this one summer, none of them are connected, you could see them as kind of a trilogy, in my opinion. I felt much like in one of her later works, uh, being super, reading especially Skim in this one summer, it gives you the uncomfortable feeling of those those first few really painful surprise pimples. 
it like brings up that kind of everything is betraying me my body my friends my own feelings and emotions due to my hormones it gives you that that discomfort and also watching children go into that in-between space and people can be horrible but children who depending on how they've been raised who are used to just saying and doing whatever they want because it's cute at some point when you're a teenager it stops being cute but they're still doing the same stuff (laughs) (laughs) so this sort of and i'm not even gonna call it secret like girls these are three different titles but it's very much like a lot of this regardless of geography whatever a certain amount of this is just i'll blame society the way being a teenage girl is where you either have you have to decide early or the cohort decides for you do you fit in or not are you on the outskirts or not and and these are very like fringe characters but most people are at that age. There's a very small group, especially in, I actually say all the stories, even the people who do fit in chafe at that as well. When you say the in-between stage, I think that uh, it was uh, rightly summed up by Britney Spears with not a girl, not yet a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your body's doing a lot at that age. So the fact that more teenage girls aren't murderers, I think. It's actually a testament to the whole species. Yeah, yeah. no, no, I, w- I would say that there's so much going on that, yeah, that's, it is amazing that uh, we're not all dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. My God. But uh, so these, of course, all had critical acclaim. In my opinion, this one summer, uh, it kind of got done dirty by various uh, organizations, putting it on uh, controversial book lists and stuff like that. I'm like, Everything that they talk about in this are things that teens can go through. Maybe not all teens, but some teens are going through this stuff. Some teens come from families and uh, situations where all of their role models are not really role models and go through a lot of this stuff. So for it to be put on like book lists, to me, I thought was just absurd. Now, on the flip side of this, of course, it did get an Eisner nomination and uh, it has been gotten tons of critical acclaim. So it's it's always kind of interesting to me what ends up on these, you know, the watched book lists and stuff like that. Well, people are triggered by all different things. If anything, this book is sort of showing some of the worst consequences of just things that teenagers get up to, including accidental uh, pregnancy and the related uh, shunning. Mm. from others it's not like it's oh this is all good times and you know they're not making teenage sex look like it did on og gossip girl where this looks like awesome yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah the book is definitely not selling sex it's showing you the realities of the situation yeah totally but you know it has probably it's not just that it's it's teenagers it's teenage teenagers and you're seeing it through the eyes of younger female teenagers and that also you know the creators are both women of color it had it was gonna end up getting 
protested by people, even just because it was successful. Yeah. So yeah. in the long run, it's given it kind of a longer life of now it's on like every like top list of if you try to buy it for your library somewhere in the Bible Belt, someone will say you can't. But yeah. I, yeah. I remember I remember in one of the, the, the front book or the front of the book, Mariko does like a little forward that kind of is meant for middle school readers basically saying there's there's lots of kissing and mature things in this book but i felt like she wrote that in there more to be like hey idiots of the bible belt and stuff we have a problem with this this is life this is stuff and if you explain this to middle grade readers and young adult readers they're gonna get it <laughs> or for young adult readers they're doing these they're things. doing they're saying it, yeah. these things everybody remembers hearing about the first person who got pregnant. And unfortunately, I will say for many people, if you think back on that years or decades later, many times you remember the carrier, but you don't necessarily remember the name and the circumstances of the impregnator. And that is where that shaming of ultimately the person has to deal with more of the consequences than the person who was equally involved in the production and pre-production, if you will, like all of that, this is like just real stuff that happens. Exactly. Exactly. And whether or not you let your child's library get this book, they have either participated or overheard these conversations about the person down the street that did you hear about so-and-so like, Life happens, unfortunately. Yeah, even and, if they're homeschooled, there is a yeah. thing called the internet. So. Yeah. So it's not that wild to me, but, you know, hearing about all the controversy, but the, and then reading these titles, I'm like, this isn't like even that spicy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the art, these children have the bodies of children who are moving into adulthood. It's not, it's like the opposite of superhero art. Yeah, yeah, it's it not is. it's not sexy art. It's realistic art. It's like mm-hmm. these are kids going through that awkward phase and that's what it looks like. Totally. And also that awkward phase of like when you're younger and there's problems with your parents and your parents' lives, you may not necessarily know enough to clock what's happening. So that's the other thing when you're a teenager, all of a sudden those tense silences, those absences, even, you know, whether it's like money problems or other stuff, things that you don't notice when you're a smaller child, all of a sudden you have enough kind of yeah, you life experience of critical thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Like and you think everything's about you, but then you also come home and realize like, why isn't my dad here right now? Yeah. Like the reason they gave doesn't make sense yeah. for this. Yeah. Or what's happening with so-and-so's mother. Like she sleeps a lot and there's a lot of empty bottles in their recycling. Or even just starting to question the kind of critical thinking I wish more adults have of questioning what the what the news on the street is. So you hear about something that happened to another kid, but maybe one or two people in that group are like, but is that really what went down? Or is that really how they felt? Or you're saying that, but how do you know that? Like starting to have that moment where you realize there's like the hive mind and then there's questioning things, but then you still, in order to not draw too much attention, understand that some of those questions you just have to keep to yourself. The Otherwise, conflicting, the conflicting yeah. need to belong and the desire to resist. Yeah. Those two things 
working in your in your brain at that age and your brain trying to figure out which side you're going more towards. Are you going to be somebody that kind of calls out shit or are you going to be somebody that kind of wants to, as you put it, get into the hive mind? And so what what do you keep in your head and what do you let out for people to know? Totally. Yeah, all that's there. And it kind of segued perfectly into her first, um, was it Big Two work? And that was Supergirl being super. I know when the first issue came out, I got a chance to talk with Marco on Geek Hard. And uh, she said in the, the interview that when she was told, yeah, you're going to do, you can retell the origin. Don't worry about continuity. Just focus on coming of age and all that sort of stuff. The first thing that came to her mind was the Kryptonian zit. It's like, it's like aliens probably get zits. Like we like if 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 alien life for, like if as us as humanoids have them, alien life forms probably have something similar to that. And so playing with those ideas were kind of like the first things that came to her mind. And then she built the story off of that. It's an interesting take on the Kara Kara's uh, story because it kind of shows her in high school and you know figuring things out. And that's something that really wasn't done before. Supergirl was always just showing up like in that little skirt and the the cape and like, yeah, I'm ready to go. Whereas this one really delved into adolescence. And once again, you know, this is a person who is on the fringes for many reasons. One being that she also has to keep a lot of secrets and was homeschooled for a while. So she's a awkward and she knows that at least one of her friends has kind of figured it out but she doesn't want to deal with telling her. And that metaphor can be applied to so many things that if there's something going on in your life at home, it's a secret mm. that your friends might know about that they try to get you to talk about. But when you're that age, you don't necessarily have the the coaching language skills and tools to try to like navigate that with one of your friends when you know they're going through something. It's great in how uncomfortable you feel similar to those other stories, but then also on top of it, you have the, you know, identity and who am I and who am I becoming that this didn't even have to be a Supergirl story, but that also gives it that weight of her decisions. Um, the things that are happening to her, it's going to have bigger import, but yeah, yeah that zit we'll thing was like yeah, hilarious. Yeah. yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, don't pop it. Don't pop it. <laughs> two-hour cleanup yeah. <laughs> oh man but then like yes you add on top of that so you have this compelling coming-of-age story and then you add on top of it a man-made earthquake a mystery bunker like all the the precepts of kind of like this like finding out the other world that's a part of your world like the dreams that with the flashbacks and everything like that so and then eventually finding that well i have a responsibility and then kind of going to your cousin who you haven't spoke to and be like, Hey, it was a nice, it was a nice ending. It was a, is a, a nice little story. And it's one that was originally released as a mini series, but has since then been released as uh, various different formats of graphic novel. I think one of the most recent ones was a digest size with, they did a weird I got thing. that digest size. It's cute. So do you have the one that it's weird? Cause like the actual issues were all full color. But then the digest size does like these washes. It does washes on the page, which kind of make it, it's like, oh, okay. They've kind of, yeah, they've muted a lot of the tones and everything. It was odd that they decided to go with that. You know, what's weird. It looks a lot. If you read this one right after reading this one summer, 
it's it's very much like that even like sort of the same kind of you know blues and whatever but it is it's still giving a lot of blue and red which you know we love for our our uh our l family definitely and of course amazing artwork by joelle jones in there it is a it's a great mini series slash graphic novel that you should check out tons of fun again it's good for pretty much all ages and then uh, at the same time she was put on the ongoing series the new hulk series and it was right after the second civil war whereas with supergirl she didn't have to worry about continuity at all with this hulk series it was nothing but continuity because it was branching out from civil war where jennifer walters was in a coma for most of it she comes out of the coma and finds out her brother is uh, sorry her cousin bruce is dead so she's dealing with that she's also not able to deal with controlling the hulk part of her so she's trying to suppress it and so it's about jen trying to find her way as jen and not rely on the hulk and almost try to ignore the hulk and that slowly unravels to her eventually having to find peace with herself having to find peace with the other side of her bring that part back into her and learn how to control it all over again and it's just it's right there the theme is always right there about finding oneself this time it's about refinding yourself and it is quite a journey definitely the timing of it coming out i still contend that a lot of the sales issues at that time weren't because you know marvel was trying to add too many shapes and colors i think it was possibly even related to crossover burnout crossover burnout is my opinion yeah people had spent all their coins to keep up with all these stories that were crisscrossing across all these stories and then you know you're trying to relaunch things and do interesting things with new creators and you got to give people a little time you can't try to take every single character that was doing a little bit well partially because you're forcing everybody to buy multiple titles and then expect that same like you got to have some ebb and flow you got to have some ups and downs you can't the bag can't always keep getting bigger capitalism that's a minute yeah that's the that's (laughs) the problem with this that they uh you know they build it on the we have to keep making profits we like they have to keep rising it can't be the same amount of profits got to be better this book didn't sell as well as this other book or we have all these books that sold exactly the same and there were no leaders of the pack cancel all of them, which yeah, it's uh, it's not a good uh, method, but I've had problems with Marvel's method for a while now and their, their marketing, they're always canceling a book and then restarting it with a new number one. Mm-hmm. Oh dear God. It's like, if you want to switch up the creative team, that's fine. If you want to end a story and start a new one, that's fine. But do you have to keep renumbering everything? Because eventually you want to go into a store and be like, yeah, I want to get Hulk volume one. And they'll say, well, volume one of this series or volume one of that series or volume one of this series. And then, so that's why I know that you've pointed it out on the, uh, on the apps and everything. Now it's listed by year. Yeah. But it's not listed by year when you go into a bookstore or into a comic shop. Yeah, and it's tough even if the metadata isn't perfect, even having the year and certain search criteria, you often have to just do a Google and know 
not sometimes not just one but even two creators to find a title because of all of this nonsense yeah yeah there's is there no dewey decimal system that applies to comic books there should be yeah there should yeah. be definitely but regardless marco did two years on this book and took jen to some interesting places and as i said the theme of finding oneself or refining oneself or finding one's inner self and inner peace those are kind of like continuing themes in her work but one that we did both get to check out we've done a previous episode on is harley quinn breaking glass which was illustrated by steve Pugh, and was the start of mariko doing a number of these ya themed graphic novels for dc which once again were reimagining origins or at least uh, environments for major DC characters. Cause she also did, I am not Starfire, which came out in 2021. And I remember when we read Harley Quinn breaking glass, we were both kind of like really entertained by the choices she made to bring it down to this teenager level. There was a couple of points, as you mentioned, that were kind of like heavy handed, but for the most part, didn't talk down to the reader and didn't try to do like little rascals version very much made it its own kind of world. And uh, one that you could easily, you know, while you're reading it, just fall into. And having it still be in the teenager world, but a little bit older than some of her other works you have Harley like discovering causes she's interested in mm -hmm. and being a bit more, political maybe than some of the characters and some of these other works that are if not geared at younger readers definitely about people that are a little bit younger yeah. but it still has that element of i'm starting to figure out what i'm gonna be but i'm not great at what i am yet yeah 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 no it's definitely right there and of course you can go back into the archives and listen to that episode uh as i said we had a lot of fun with that book um, Although she's always good with a bat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Our girl oh, never misses a day at the cages. Oh, man. Now, you might remember back in 2021, there was the big Future State event in DC. And there was a lot of series. We actually covered the Future State Wonder Woman series on here. Uh, well, Mariko with artist Dan Mora. And of course, everybody's favorite colorist, Jordi Belair. They did the. Uh, dark detective story, which once that wrapped up, they ended up becoming the creative team for detective comics for a period. Now, not the entire team stuck around, but Marco was on the book for uh, about two and a half years once again. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, she's been given some pretty prime IP to work with and done something that you don't regularly see with the characters, which I think is, that's always good when you bring somebody on to a book and they can bring a fresh take that still feels like what you want, but is not, not exactly the thing that you get. I think she just, from my opinion, out from the outside as a reader, it just seems like she's much more interested in characters, emotional and mental development that has nothing to do with their, especially for the bigs, their current or future powers or crime fighting or whatever. Even when there's a peril situation, it's still 
a lot of the character kind of dealing with what happened to them before and how that's going to affect their decision making. So, I mean, whether or not everyone responds to her type of storytelling, at least it's doing something different. Yeah. Just before we go on this one, I'm going to play uh, an excerpt from my interview with Marco back in 20, at the beginning of 2017, talking about Supergirl being super and Hulk. Take a listen. Mariko, right now you have uh, both a book at DC and at Marvel. Uh, let's talk about the yeah. D- let's talk about the DC one first. Uh, Supergirl being super. Sure. Uh, look, uh, look back at the uh, the teenage years of Supergirl. What it's like to grow up uh, popping a Kryptonian zit. Um, it's yep. yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting first issue. Tell us a little bit about the series. Um, well, it's I mean I when I was uh, approached by DC Comics, they said that I could do an origin story, and they gave me. Um, just, you know, a lot of freedom to basically, I mean, the character is still, you know, the same Supergirl character, but I was kind of allowed to, you know, work from scratch, like not have to worry about continuity, which was really freeing. And I just wanted to write a story about what it would be to have, what it would be like to have, you know, because being a teenager, you kind of feel like an alien anyway. And I thought, well, what if you also had, you know, these crazy powers that you couldn't really explain and what would that how would that impact your teenage life you got a great uh rest of the creative team working with you here uh headed up by uh, artist uh, joelle jones who uh of course is known to many comic fans for lady killer uh what's it like what's yeah. the collaboration been like with joelle joelle is amazing i mean it's it's interesting because i think every collaboration is different um, I, you know, I send her a script and we have sort of a brief conversation usually. Um, but I think the way it's worked for me in a way that I've been really fortunate is I have such great trust and I'm such a fan of their work, of the artists that I work with work, um, that it's nice to sort of feel like whatever they're going to do, like I'm, I'm going to be happy with. Um, so actually the much more intense stuff was in the editorial phase for Supergirl just because. I worked um, really hard with Paul Kaminsky and Andrew Marino kind of getting the tone right, and they were really invaluable helping me do that. And then after that, I was just kind of like, whatever Joelle wants to do is totally fine. And I'm constantly amazed by the things that she comes up with. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of the series is, you know, what is it that makes you a superhero? Like, is it that you have these powers, or is it that there's, there's like things that happen in sort of fates and stuff like that that intervene and turn your life in that direction. Um, so the idea for this was to look at all of the things that kind of come together in a person's life that that lead them to, you know, whatever identity they decide to take on. Of course, Supergirl being super issue ones come out, it's great. And you mentioned that uh, the the freedom of continuity that you've had on that. And it's interesting because over at Marvel, you're working on a book that is very much connected to the continuity of things because it's a yeah. uh, spin out spin off from Civil War Two, and that is the current Hulk series. It is a very different challenge because you really have to you really have to think about yeah, but you're just sort of like taking a step forward from something from a whole bunch of stuff that's already happened, right. and it does like it does change the way you write, I think. No, totally. And because it's interesting with this new series, uh, 
Jennifer Walters, known for years as the She-Hulk. Uh, of course, in Civil War II, she had a lot of bad stuff happen. You know, she was in a coma. She wakes up. Her her cousin is dead. Um, and uh, so a lot of, lot of trauma to deal with. And, of course, in this series, she's trying to no longer be She-Hulk. She's trying to live life as Jennifer Walters again. I find it really interesting that with this book... Uh, so far from the setup that the villain is there's no real villain in this that the conflict is conflict within oneself was that something you really wanted to do with the character um there is a villain eventually okay um or there's a villainous thing eventually um the thing with the first issue was i wanted to make sure and it was really great like i had a lot of space to do that um with marvel was to make sure we sort of had the emotional tone first right um so this issue is really kind of about establishing where Jen is post-Civil War. And the thing is, is like, you kind of have to think like 22 pages or 20 pages, like there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And it's nice to have time to sort of just set everything else up before you start like smashing through walls. So I really enjoyed the opportunity. Um, and actually it's really amazing because Nico Leon is such a great storyteller and there's so much in the images that sort of tells the story of Jen's life before and what Jen's life is like now. And I think it kind of just lets you, I think it's nice to kind of be with a character before the character, you know, enters into conflict. And of course, yeah, with this, with this issue, you know, Jen's already in a sort of state of conflict yeah, totally. where she's dealing with, you know, yeah. what she's going to do and how she's going to deal with this horrible stuff that's happened to her. Right. And uh, well, you mentioned the whole uh, comments about uh, Nico's work. The apartment tells like volumes of information about Jennifer. Just looking around that right. apartment. It's amazing how much information is given visually in the story. Yeah. She and I have extensive conversations about all of the stuff that goes around, goes on behind the scenes. Uh, and he and I had this really great conversation about what Jen's apartment would be like, like specifically that it used to be the apartment of She-Hulk, or it is the apartment of someone who used to be much bigger than Jen is now. Um, and he just came up with all this amazing stuff. And, you know, in every issue, I sort of send my script and then I get these emails back where he's got all these ideas. And they, I love it. I love that there's a complex story that's being told and not told in the visuals and in the words. Um, I think that's what comics do best, really. Oh, yeah, no, totally. And I love the mirror moment. The moment with the mirror was great. Yeah, right? <laughs> I was so bummed. I thought, what if people don't see that? <clears throat> what if people just think, like, oh, it's a mirror? I'm like, no, there's a reason the mirror is that tall. Like, think about it. But yeah. most people got it. I was really happy about that. No, totally. I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me on. Hopefully we can... We can talk again sometime. Definitely. Have yourself a good great. night. So this brings us to the end of another episode of Back Issue Blood Patula. Where can people find you? At NHF.com. On Twitter, Hive Spoutable at Obesacantabit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. Of course, you find everything I do over at geekhardshow.com. Follow me on Twitter at geekhard. Follow me on Instagram at Andrew underscore of underscore geek underscore hard. Of course, follow this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post the new episode every week. But of course, to make sure you don't miss an episode, you can always subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. And while you're there, 
leave a few stars, say a nice thing, and then maybe afterwards go out and say nice things to real people, either on the interwebs, maybe in a chat or out in person when you walk the streets or, you know, maybe in a local watering hole or on vacation. A nice comment on the internet, though, is still always good. A nice comment is always good. Yeah. It is always good. Wherever it goes, whether it be on the internet or just into the ear of a local traveler, it is much appreciated. This has been Back Issue Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Petunia. Have yourself a good...